Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. You notice a lot of the songs this morning were about the goodness. Uh, God's good. Uh, you know, God's good all the time, all the time. God's good. You know, it's more than just a really a catchphrase. It, it's so true. Uh, the goodness of God's song chasing after us is, is really has been my theme song this year. Um, I've, I've looked back. We've, we've just uh, accomplished, uh, made th- 20 years in Mexico this past August. And I look back at our stories and yeah, that's... <laughs> Not without the struggles, <laughs> some of which you're going to hear today. Um, look back at those times that I just, you know, it feels like God wasn't even with you moving through some of those things, and you, and you turn around and look, and, and all of a sudden there's his goodness, you know, staring you in the face. It, it literally is. He's chasing after you, his goodness, all, all that he has. That, that word goodness, you know, literally mean, means the good stuff, the goods, the best. It's like all of his best is running after you to be poured out upon you. Sometimes we just need to stop and turn around and look and see that it's coming at us like a freight train. Some of you just need to get up and just sing of his goodness because you're facing a, a, a freight train in front of you right now that you think is just going to hit you. Just turn around and look. The goodness of God is right there. I'm gonna, it was back in, in, in 2000, 2001, uh, we had our first and, and only uh, team from Cathedral visit us uh, 18 years ago. And after I tell the story, you're gonna, there's no wonder why y'all haven't come back. But we had a, actually my mom was on the team as well. And we had, it was a, it was a youth, youth group, youth team. And Monty Kelly, who was the visiting, or the visiting, who was the youth pastor, missionary pastor at that time, missions pastor at that time, brought this team of youth down. And, and, uh, and Monty asked me something. Hi, Monty, in case you're listening. Monty asked me something away from the airport, which I, I, I thought was a setup or something that happened that week. He goes, so Andy, how does it feel to be a, a missionary in an evangelized country? I thought, whoa, uh, uh, Monty, maybe you don't know much about Mexico, but uh, as far as Christianity goes, uh, but there, there's not a whole lot of us, but I, I let him find that out later in the week. Actually, the Lord did. Um, we had a project scheduled to go out to the Indian village with the Purepeche Indians out in, in the village of Michoacan, uh, state of Michoacan, where they harvest all the Haas avocados. And uh, good friends of ours, and we still visit them to this day. And, and uh, we were in there, we were painting, painting their medical clinic. We contacted the local uh, town officials and the pastor and some of the leaders there. And, and so we buy, bought all this paint and the rollers and the brushes and just really a humanitarian effort, uh, effort and a strategy to just, you know, connect with people. And after we were going to have a big service later on, a healing service and, and fire Holy Ghost service and just have a fun time with them. And uh, so we're painting the clinic and, and the medical clinic, and we're having, you know, a good time. And, and some of the ladies are out visiting and, and inviting people out to the service later that night. Well the, well, the enemy, of course, didn't want us to have a service that night because he knows what's going to happen. Where, you know, people are going to get warned again. People are going to get healed. Things are going to happen. God's going to show up. His goodness is going to be there. And the enemy doesn't want that. So he had a real stronghold in that place. And uh, so the whole town is being called out, literally, to see what's going on with these Americans invading their, their, their village, even though I would go out there every week doing a, a weekly Bible study, uh, a video Bible school with, the, with some of the guys out there. And before we know it, uh, things, words are turning into issues and problems, and they're tipping over scaffold boards, they're tipping over our paint buckets. I'm like, what's going on? We just want to love you guys and, and, and serve you and paint your clinic. And next thing I know, I'm catching a rock in the back of the head. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's my one and only rock, and, and, and uh, thank you, Jesus. I, I, <clears throat> that's good. 
So I turn around, and I'm still on my scaffold board, and I'm about this high up, and I'm looking down at this woman that's about this distance from me, and she has another rock about the size of her palm of her hand that she's holding, and she's looking at me with these eyes that, like, what in the world? I'm getting stoned for the gospel? This is crazy. This is like, you know, New Testament, you know, Apostle Paul kind of did. What is happening right now? It's just all these thoughts running through my mind. Of course, I, I, this fear as well, because I already took one rock, and I didn't want to take another. Anybody here want to rock to the back of the head? Anybody? Raise your hand. Oh, there's one. Is that an amen? No? Or okay. We can take you outside and I don't know, do, 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 the, do the trick. And so I'm looking at it, and this is like my first year of Mexico. So my Spanish is not very good. So all I can say is, Dejala, Dejala Piedra, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, drop the stone, drop the stone. I just kept repeating over and over and over. And again, all 300, 400 people are out at the village. My parents are there, uh, uh, missions pastors there, uh, actually my mom's there, all my kids are there. They're, They're like, you know, seven, four, and three or somewhere in there. And you could have heard a pin drop with all these people, and they're watching this event between me and this lady. And something in me says, don't back down. Stand your ground. I'm thinking, someone's crazy right now. If I stand my ground, I'm going to get hit. So I just kept telling, and it really, it felt like an eternity. I mean, it felt like hours and hours and hours, like, drop the stone, drop the stone. In the name of Jesus, drop the stone. And finally, she just, she turns her hands, drop the stone. And as soon as it hits the ground, it's like everything returned to normal. Uh, people started talking, laughing again. They were bringing some sandwiches for the work crew. It, it, it's like, and I felt I felt a victory in my heart, and at the time, I stepped down off the scaffold board and just walked out, and I said, look, here's the supplies, here's the paint, paint the, paint the clinic yourself. Obviously, you want to, you're running me off, here it is, God bless you. We ended up having a service later that night, people got healed, people got born again, the church grew. Um, but as I'm stepping down off the scaffold board and I'm walking out, the police finally show up. Like, where were you? Of course, remember, we're out in this village, very remote village, and so they had to come from one of the bigger towns. So they're all coming in their trucks, and they've got their you know, automatic weapons and everything strapped to them, the bulletproof vests, and they're, they're stepping, up, stepping off their truck. And of course, they want to talk to the head you know, gringo in charge, which would be me at, the, at that time. So I went off to the side, and I began to talk. Was there anybody here that was on that trip, by the way? Any youth from 2001 that were on that trip? So it'd be interesting to, to talk with you. So I began to talk to one of the officials there, one of the main, main police officers, and his, his whole attitude and, and thought and, and the way he was talking with me, I looked at him, I said, I said, you're a believer, aren't you? I said, you're a Christian. And he goes, yeah, I am. And at that moment, when the worst fear of just getting pelted with another rock, run out of the village, we actually had death threats against us. I was told not to come into the village that next week they were looking to kill me. They later burned the church down. Within a week, the church was gone. In the midst of all that, in the midst of just, just darkness and despair, and it's like, here we are preaching the gospel. The doors are supposed to be open. We're supposed to have all of this favor. What's going on? And God sends me an angel with an automatic weapon. <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling you, if you'll just look, you'll find the goodness. Psalms 23 very well-known psalm. I'm not here to teach theology today, so I'm going to give you a very simple verse, one that everyone knows, Psalms 23, verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, verse 6. Surely goodness is running after me <laughs> all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's like it just doesn't matter how bad the situation is, how bad everything looks, what's coming against you. God's goodness is always near. 
God's goodness is always waiting to change the situation. It's always waiting to be, to be embraced, always waiting to be acknowledged. It, it, it's right there at the door. It's right there within arm's reach. Saying, I, I want to protect you. I'm good with you. I, I, I want to pour out my best. I have the good stuff for you. It's there. Over the years, we've, we've done lots and lots and lots of, of uh, Indian work, uh, village work, uh, mountain works. Uh, I was up in the mountains one time. And uh, this was a week, actually less than that, about five days after I had just gotten out of the hospital for severe dehydration. Uh, I had been up in a mountain village and drank a lot of the water, and I'm, I've got liquids going in and out. You just don't even want to know that story. <clears throat> so in the hospital, remember, I'm, I'm a nurse too. That's one of the things I did here while I was in Texas. I'm a, I was an IV nurse. So I'm in a hospital getting IVs in me, and I'm, 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 I'm so dehydrated, so uh, wore out. I, I think there are snakes that are attacking me, and I'm trying to pull them out. It was just, it was just a bad, bad time. So five days later, jump five days, I'm in the deepest gorge of the country of Mexico. It's like twice as deep as the Grand Canyon. Preach the gospel, right? <laughs> Go forward. And so we're there to investigate the Nahuatl of Durango. It's, a, uh, it's another Indian group. And a pe- people group, about a thousand people in about 10 different villages or so, and then some sparse families in different places. So we walk in, there was me and, and two, three other guys and we're going downhill. So downhill, of course, anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon and walked downhill? You know, it's actually pretty easy until you get down there and you realize you have to walk back up. So we're walking down and I'm, I'm spending all my energy, again, one week after being in the hospital, totally dehydrated. Well, in that almost eight hour hike down the mountain, my water was on the donkey. So it was carrying, it was really nice, carrying our backpacks, our luggage and all that down the hill. Well, I didn't drink anything. So I get down to the bottom of this, this, this mountain where we finally found this Indian village that we we're walking towards and double vision kicks in. I can't see anything. I'm falling over. Uh, I leaned up against this, this storefront and, and I, I think literally I'm going to die again right there. And so I said, Lord, I don't know what I, I, I didn't learn the week before in the hospital with this. I said, whatever it is, I'm sorry. I said, but something's got to happen right now. You either got to kill me or you got to revive me. But this little middle ground of double vision and all, I said, I can't do this. I'm here for a purpose. We're here to reach these people. And I need some help. Immediately, I mean, immediately when I prayed that prayer, I, uh, I remembered a vitamin pack, or this water vitamin pack, very powerful that this doctor had given me for an instant just like this. I pulled it out, added it to some water, and I'm, I mean, it was almost like a Holy Ghost feeling just totally revived me. And again, it's like in the middle of the darkest, harshest situation, the goodness of God is there. The answer is there. Someone's got to fight for it. Someone's got to look for it. Someone's got to embrace it because it's there. See, that, that week, it was, a, it was a really, really hard week. Uh, my knees blew out. They ended up having to carry me out of this gorge on a donkey that was doing this, uh, a cliff like this. Every time the donkey would turn the corner, I'm looking down over this edge, like, what am I doing? The weather was really bad when we got to the top. The, the little Cessna airplane that was supposed to come in and pick us up couldn't fly that day, so we had to spend an extra day uh, sleeping with bed bugs. Literally, don't let the bed bugs bite. They bit me all over. The next day, uh, we were waiting and, and, and asked the guy, I said, is there a cell phone tower anywhere? I really want to call my wife. I've been in seven days. i just gotten out of the hospital. She doesn't know anything about me. She doesn't know what's going on. They go, well, if you climb that mountain over there, and sometimes you'll get a signal. I'm like, I said, guys, let's do this. So I'm, I'm stumbling. I'm getting up this mountain. Nothing. I find the tallest pine tree. This is a true story, okay? I'm not preaching right now. I'm telling stories. This is true. I climb the tallest pine tree as far as I can reach. I reach up my hand. I have one bar. Remember the old Nokia phones, you know, little bars? I have one bar. I reach up. I hit the home button. 
and it starts ringing. I hear Karen's voice on the other end. Andy, Karen, I'm alive. And I lose the signal. I make it back home the next day. You know, I hadn't shaved in a week. My, my knees are blown out. My back's hurting. I've got literally bug bites totally surrounding me. Honey, I'm home. <laughs> the goodness of God will bring you through. You know, even in dreams, he can reveal his goodness. Um, Karen woke, woke up with a dream. It's been about four years or so. And she seemed very concerned about it, very worried about it. She goes, Andy, I just had, this, had the weirdest dream. I said, well, well, what? Tell me about it. She goes, well, me and you were walking in this real familiar area, uh, neighborhood, and we were like looking for a house to rent or something, and, and we were holding hands and looking, and I decided to turn around and go back the other way, and so I let go of your hand, and I, I, I started walking, and all of a sudden, I hear this thump, like something hit the ground. I turn back and look, and there you are with this dark shadow running off from you like it had just stabbed you with something. Like, oh, well, that doesn't sound, you know, like God. I said, let's, you know, let's, let's pray against that. And, and uh, so she began to pray and, and actually prayed most of the day about that. And I had to go. I was doing a, a work project, building project at one of our local churches. Uh, we were putting in a floor. and We had scaffold boards and other boards laying all over the place. So I'm just trying to clean, clean out the, the floor so that they can actually pour a slab. And I grabbed this, this, I don't know, it was like a 16-foot one-by-four, whatever it was, one-by-six. And I moved it. And as I moved it, all of a sudden something hit me in the chest. I go, what in the world? I'm looking like, who just threw something at me? And there's no one there. And I look and I see this. And I actually have a picture. I found my newsletter like two nights ago. I have a stack of all my newsletters with me. I found this newsletter and I saw the picture of this three-foot board that went from like six inches all the way down to this very sharp point. Well, that had fallen off, broken off the top of the board and come and poked me in the chest. Well, fortunately, I have, you know, a chest of steel. And even more fortunate, I have a wife that hears from God. Because as soon as I realized what happened, the Lord says, it was supposed to be worse. It was supposed to be worse. I went home, and of course, I'm telling her all about it, and I have like this one-inch splinter inside my chest that needs to come out. I go to a local pharmacy, and I found this doctor, that find this doctor that says, well, really, we don't do those kind of things here. You need to go to the hospital, but, you know, I have a suture kit. I can do this for you. I said, please, because I don't need to run around all over town. I've got things to do. I've got to go preach the gospel. So he's pulling on it, and he actually had to make a little incision to cut it out, and he put two stitches. So I have a little incision with these two stitches on both sides. About three or four days later, my daughter, Julia, who's, who loves medical things, wanted to pull the stitch out. So I said, well, sure, let's do it. Because again, I'm a nurse. I'm walking her through and helping her. She pulled the stitch out. And I took a picture of this. Around my chest, I have bruising, beatings. It's red, a little bloody, two puncture holes, and a line right down the middle. Yeah. I've been marked with a cross on my chest. <laughs> and again, I'm reminded by the Lord, it was supposed to be worse. But he's a revealer of good things. He loves us that much that he'll reveal things even in our sleep. You know, Moses cried out one time, God, show me your glory. And God responded with, I will make all my goodness pass before you. All the, again, the good stuff, the goods, the, the best that he has is getting ready to pass in, in, front, of, uh, in front of Moses. We, were, uh, we do a lot of downtown ministry for the last several years. 
And uh, a lot of the people down there know me, know us now. And they, I, I wear the same orange Guadalajara hat every time I go downtown so they can see me coming from a distance. So a lot of them know me by name. And actually, a lot of the, we call them the narcos, the cartel people, they actually will, will just kind of leave us alone because they know, they know we're there just to, you know, give out sandwiches, pray for people. You know, we're not there to take over their territory or anything like that. And, and um, about uh, three months ago, uh, we were walking down and, and I saw this guy, you know, sitting on the corner, uh, very desperate looking young man. And of course we gave him a little sandwich that we made and I prayed for him and all. And I'm, I'm getting up and about to walk away and I turn back to him. I, his name was Mario. I said, Mario, I said, is there anything else we can do for you? And he goes, will you please get me off the streets? He goes, I, I've been here for three days. I'm actually from another state. Uh, I came here looking for work. My wife kicked me out because of my drug, drug issues, my problems. He goes, but I've had death threats. Uh, I'm scared to death here. I can't, I can't spend another night on the street. Will you please help me get off the street? So I immediately called one of our pastor friends who has a rehab center and told him the situation. And, goes, and he says, yes, Andy, please bring him in, bring him in. So over the, over the months since then, me and Mario have actually communicated and begin, continued to text each other. And he thanks me every time. Thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for getting me off the street. Thank you. It's like, what was it about Mario that me just walking by <laughs> attracted the goodness of God to this guy? That's how good God is. Coincidence, I'm just walking by and seeing some homeless man on the street. No, it's the goodness of God chasing after Mario every single day. Listen, if he can love Mario, he can love you. If he can find a home for Mario, he can find one for you. Mario's excited. He tells me how much he's loving the Lord, where, where he is. He's looking forward to getting back together with his family. <sighs> Psalms, 20, uh, Psalms 27, 13. Psalms 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got to believe that as we're going, his goodness is going to invade. We've got to believe for it. We've got to contend for it. We've got to cry out for it. We've got to just, just wait on it and, and expect it because he wants to do that. He wants to pour out. He wants you to dwell in his presence every single day. So this goodness is not just for us. It's for everyone. You probably have heard it said uh, this way before that the Holy Spirit is on me or the Holy Spirit is in me for me. The Holy Spirit is on me for you. It's the same with the goodness. His goodness is for me. There is no doubt, 100%. I live in his goodness. I sing of his goodness. I can remember all the years that he's been faithful. I want the goodness. It's for me. But it's also on me because I need to share it. There's a world dying and hurting and, and, and painful out there that wants what you have. Take it to them. You know, sometimes those things are as easy as just giving a sandwich and giving a smile. Make it practical. Don't make it something so hard that you think you've got to be a missionary. You think you've got to be some big evangelist or something. No, just do what you're called to do. Love on people. Amen. Share the goodness and you'll change this world. There's another, another mountain story. Working with the Huicho Indians of uh, Jalisco. Uh, one of the hardest group of indigenous that I've, that I've ever, ever dealt with. We, uh, 
tried several of our normal strategies to get into these guys painting their clinic. Uh, we made them 500 hot dogs one time. We've showed the Jesus film. We've done all those kind of things with a, with a little bit of success. But usually when the, when the film's over, when the hot dogs are gone, when the paint's out, they close the door, they go home, they just don't want to talk to us. It's like, well, we're there to talk. And, and it's like, they're, they just don't want to. So, I was, so one time we were going in, it was me, a pastor, and, and a couple of uh, uh, my workers that I have with me in we went in and I told the pastor that normally is kind of running the things. And I, and I said, Pastor Jorge, I said, I said, can we change things up a little bit this time? I said, you know, we've done all the strategies. We, we, we've done the service and, and I, we'll continue to do that over the years, sure. But can we just go in and do what Jesus told us to do? Can we just go in and heal the sick, raise the dead? You know, can we just go in and just do those kind of things? Let's just, let's just bring them nothing but the pure gospel. How about that? And he goes, let's do it. He goes, Andy, you actually take the lead on this and just do it. I said, I'll do that. Whatever that looks like, I don't know, but we'll go in. So we started stopping for everybody. And the guy's riding a bike. We'll stop. Hey, you got any sickness? Are you hurting? You got any back pain? We started seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. And, and, and kind of our strategy was, was Pastor Jorge would begin to, and this guy, he's amazing. He's got like the whole Bible memorized or something. So he can preach from anywhere at any time. And so he'll start sharing some scriptures with them and tell them about the love of the Lord and getting their sins out and all that kind of stuff. And then he'll kind of give it over to me and I'll kind of give like a little altar call and, and we'll pray for healing, supernatural stuff. And so it was working out well. So we went into this one town, little town called Tucpan de Bolaños. And I'd been to that town several times. That's one of the places we had painted clinics, we had made hot dogs. And I'm thinking, you know, let's, let's do something different. Let's go to that one. You know, Jesus left the 99 to go to that one. I said, is there, is there any place? And we started asking around, or is there anybody that lives up in the top of these mountains? And someone said, about an hour and a half walk up this mountain, you'll find a little home. There's an old couple there if you want to go visit them. I said, let's go. We put on our backpacks and, and, and took off walking. And as we're coming up over the, over the hill, we come up to a little wall and I see this, this woman laid out on, on a mat outside with uh, her husband sitting on a five gallon bucket like this, just staring. I thought, oh Lord, what did we just walk up on? Is this, did this woman die or what's going on? So we, we came in and we, we realized she had a, a really, really high fever. She'd been sick for several days. And, and we asked uh, Santo, that was his name, Santo. It's like, well, what's going on with your wife? How long has this been happening? He goes, you know, I don't know. All I know is she won't make me any tortillas. <laughs> okay, okay. So as was our strategy, our method of doing things, Pastor Jorge began to, to preach, began to share from the word and, and uh, give a little sermonette. And I, something inside of me rose up and, and I hear this voice goes, Andy, you have to pray now for this woman. If you don't pray, she's gonna die. It's like, whoa, okay, I, I'm hearing this pretty clear. So I, I said, Pastor Jorge, I, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me for the interruption, but can we pray for this woman real quick? He goes, yeah, absolutely, let's pray, no, no problem. So we began to pray for her, and within five minutes, this woman was sitting up, smiling, talking, fever broke. <laughs> because the goodness just showed up at their house. Sometimes we're receivers of the goodness, and other times we're deliverers of the goodness. So she's, she's healed, she's better, she's sitting up, Looked at Pastor Jorge and said, "Okay, please continue." So he continued to share the gospel with them. They, you know, they both accepted the Lord into their into their hearts and and uh, stayed with them you know, a few more hours. And, and we left to go back to town. And we stayed the night at that at the little town that night, hour and a half walk down from their village. We're getting up the next morning, getting ready to go because we're going to another village. And there in the street is Santo with his backpack walking down the street. 
the guy that was just up at his village, right? Up, up at his little house. And so I wrote down the window and say, Santo, man, how are, you, how are you doing? How's your wife? And he goes, we have tortillas. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I just, I love God. But you know, it reminds me of the verse, goodness, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. It, it is so true. You know, you, you don't have to be saved to get, to get healed. You know, God just loves us and he just, he just wants to do good things for us. Yeah, yeah, he wants that heart to be changed. He wants that heart to be, be touched, absolutely. But Jesus will heal people without them getting saved first. You know, today's problems are nothing more than tomorrow's testimonies of God's goodness. Hashtag. Today's problems are nothing more than tomorrow's testimonies of God's goodness. You know, it's, it's, it's no question that as Christians, we're going to heaven. Zero doubt. You know, someone ever asked me, well, how do you know? Well, I just know. You know, the Spirit's in me. He, he bears witness. I, I'm a born again. I'm a child of God. And that's my inheritance one day. But you know, that's not my assignment. My assignment is heaven on earth. So yeah, I'm full of goodness. And yeah, I get to have the fullness of his goodness one day up there in heaven. I, I get it. We get it all. But what about those down here that are still needing stuff? Bring it. Hmm. Psalms 23, 4 again. Talks about David walking through that valley of the shadow of death. It's only a shadow. It's only a shadow. Even in the valley, the goodness of God Follow David every single day of his life. So we have to decide, like, like David, unless I had believed. You know, we, we, every day we need to walk, wake up, we need to decide what shadow is going to influence me. Is it going to be the valley? Am I going to look at my problem and go, woe is me? Or am I going to realize, like, like Peter, my shadow is going to influence something else because the Holy Spirit's over me. In, in, our, in our Bible school, we uh, have a supernatural school of ministry. We just completed our eighth year, start up again in, in January. Yeah, that's awesome, right? One of the things I tell them consistently, because I'm always telling them, look, there's more, there's more, there's more. And we're really driving them into the supernatural lifestyle, just going after more of heaven. And, and, uh, and I tell them, I said, guys, until my shadow is healing the sick, there's, there's more for Andy Pricer. There are times when I, when I go downtown, like when I met with Mario and so many other great people that we meet downtown, and, and I'll, I'll see a, a paralytic, a sick person, whatever, on the side of the road without even saying anything. I'll walk by them just so my shadow, whoa, there's my shadow, because I'm waiting on the day that they jump up and say, what just happened? Listen, if it's written in the Word, it's legal for me. I get to do it. Just as, as the goodness of God, the good stuff follows me all the day of my life, I have the awesome opportunity and privilege to release the good stuff wherever I go. I love reading, where's Jason at? I love reading Jason's stories. I, I follow you on, on Facebook, by the way, bro. I, I love it. All the different places he goes and, all, and the goodness is just being poured out everywhere. These, these events and crusades and it's like, come on God, your goodness is gonna win. But don't wait on the good missionary stories. Get your own. 
See, I didn't start to tell, to tell you yet about the, all the times my daughter had typhoid fever, the spiders that injected uh, eggs into my toe. There, there's all kinds of things out there, but I'm telling you, yeah, that's a, that's a story. The goodness of God just can't be, you can't even compare it to anything. But it's on you, it's in you. Give it away. Give it away. I just, I love stories. I love sharing the testimonies of what he's done. One, it, it, it releases an atmosphere of faith for you all to receive those same kind of things. You know, I know there's people that, that have gone through worse than I have uh, situations and, and we've, we've done some things too and some hard things, but I'm telling you, he just doesn't, he doesn't let you go. We tend to let him go and then want to blame him. It just, but it doesn't work that way. His hand is always extended. He's always running after us. His, his goodness is always following us every single day of our life. So I wanna, I wanna do something. I know, I know I didn't speak very long today. But I wanna release the goodness of God over, you, over your lives. Um, some of you are, are walking. I mean, you're on the mountaintop with God right now. You know, you're not down in the valley. Things are, things are going great, and, and that's awesome. God, I really think we need to live there. We need to live on those mountaintops, okay? Yes, we have valley experiences, and, and, and I'm not making light of those because I pass through them too. They're, they're tough. They're difficult. They're, they're hard. I mean, there's sicknesses. There's, there's death. There, there's times of, of lack of funds, all those things that happen to us. But I'm telling you, the goodness is still there. The goodness is of there. In fact, if you actually, if, if you'll be conscious of it and you're, you're looking for it, the light shines brighter in the darkness. If you will look for his goodness, I'm telling you, it's there. The goodness will bring you through. The goodness will pull you through. The goodness will give you the hope for tomorrow that, that tomorrow's actually coming. So I know there's people here dealing with, with valley experiences because that's part of life. We go through it. But I'm getting ready to impart a goodness experience over your life. God wants you to walk out of here different, changed, transformed with, 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 with hope that, that, that you're coming to the end of that, whatever that fight is and you're, and you're growing, you're learning and, and he's chasing after you. He loves you. There's another mountain we went to. You can keep playing, David. Thank you. We drove about, uh, I don't know, it was about three hours into the mountains. It's even deeper into the Wichol territory. And uh, someone told us there's a village out there. And you can, you can see it on Google Maps. You know, Google goes everywhere, I guess. But it's, it's way out there. And it's at the end of the road. There's, there's nothing else past this little village. And I said, well, let's go out there because there's got to be some sheep, you know, the night, some of them that leave the 99. I mean, there's people out there. Let, let, let's go. And along the way, we, we stop at a little convenience store to get some Coke, drinks. And um, a couple of drunk guys stop in at the same time. And me and God have this running, I don't know, almost a joke with, with drunks. Can I be honest for a second? I don't have much patience for drunks. It's not my calling. At least in Mexico, they, they, a lot of them seem to know more scripture than me. 
uh, more the gospel of me for me than sometimes. And, and they're almost jokingly uh, mocking when they, when they talk and they don't really want to listen. They just want to talk and make fun. So this is what happened. These two drunk guys come and you know, they find out that we're missionaries. We're gonna share the gospel. So of course they're saying all these things and on and on and on, just making fun of us. And I was like, well, like whatever. I just kind of you know, blew them off because that's, you know, they're not gonna listen. So we get in our vehicle, they get in theirs and we drive off. And I'm telling the two young guys that are with me about my experiences with drunks in the streets. And it always ends this way. I don't know. Lord, quit sending them my way. It's not my calling. Stop it, stop it, stop it. And they're kind of laughing. They're like, hey, no, hermano Andres, ah. So we get to this village again, three hours out, and and we're tired, and, and it's not a there's no gas station there, there's no banks. I mean, this is a Indian village, and so we're going to be looking for a, a place to stay the night and uh, maybe some little place to eat. And because uh, we wanted to evangelize that next day, because it was already getting late, and so I'm sitting up against the, the side of my suburban and just kind of watching. It, it was a really busy day. It's like the government had come in to pay social security or something. So, I mean, all these surrounding villages had come there to receive their pay or whatever they were getting, free corn or something, I don't even know. So I'm kind of watching the truck and our, and our things while the guys went out to ask around. Who do you think found me leaning up against the side of my truck? The town drunk, yes. He had, been, he had been the mayor at one time of that city. I, was just, I just found my, that newsletter yesterday. He, had, he used to be the mayor of that city, now the town drunk and the current hitman. Really? So we start talking, me and Alberto. And his first language is not Spanish, it's Huichol. My first language is not Spanish, it's, it's English or Texan. And so we're trying to communicate him through his drunken stupor. And, and so I'm not understanding what he's saying because this has been a number of years ago and he's not really understanding me and we're not communicating well. So all of a sudden he went from happy drunk to fighter. He's like, he's wanting to hit me. I'm like, whoa, bro, chill out. And so, I mean, he's coming after me. Like, come on, stop it. What is happening here? And about the time my, my buddy showed up and, and they talked to him and they tell him, said, look, he, he's an American. He doesn't speak Spanish very well. And he goes, oh, American. Now I'm his best friend. You know, highs and lows, highs and lows. He's hugging me. He's loving me. He's like, yeah. Well, we ended up staying at this guy's house. He opened up his door to us, right? We ate dinner with him. We stayed at his house. He invited all of his family over to his house. The entire household gets born again. And I don't understand that except that God is good. <laughs> so it's about five in the morning. We're sleeping on the front room and it's right next to the main dirt road coming into town. And I hear what I thought were gunshots going off. Boom, boom. I'm jumping up with what in the world? Because immediately went back, current hitman, current hitman. You know, he told us, okay, yeah, you wanna, you wanna kill somebody? Just, just put the name, send it to me, slip, slide it under my door and you know, we take care of them. I did learn a lesson that trip. Don't tell your wife any of that until you get back home. It's five in the morning, these, these shots are going off. Then, I, then I'm awake, I realize what it is. They have these called cuetes. They're, they're, they're bottle rockets. Uh, they're about three foot tall. If anyone's ever been to Mexico, they, during their time of their painters, saints, and all that kind of stuff, they shoot them off all the time. It's kind of to wake their saints up. That's the reason why they do it. And so five in the morning, these 
bottle rockets. It's really, it's a, a piece of dynamite on a stick. They're going off and boom, boom, boom. About to, uh, and then I realized, oh, it's just, it's just the quit. It's just the fireworks. So be still my heart. <laughs> and went back to sleep for a little bit. We, d- we were actually able to get back to visit Alberto uh, several months later and, and he was still doing good. But uh, interesting, as we're talking to this guy, he goes, he goes, Andy, why don't you need to write some of this stuff down, all this stuff about family and peace and love. You need to write this down. I said, Alberto, it, it is written down. It's, it's called the Bible. I'm not sharing you anything, but what I'm, what I'm reading, what I'm living on my own, this is, this is who Jesus is. And that's the reason why he accepted what we had to say because it, was so, it became so real and so true to him. So we were able to bring him a Bible back the next time, but we actually haven't been back to that village now in probably five or six years. But I look at these salvation experiences and, and when God sends a, you know, a, an angel cop my way and with an automatic weapon, I can't help but think how good he is. Not just for us, but, but, but through us. I mean, we just, you know, 20 years of, of stories of just seeing people born again and set free and delivered and just great things. And not because of, you know, Fire Mexico or ministry, but just really because of some heart surrendered to God's goodness that have been impacted, that have decided to impact someone else's life. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.